by the time I was 24, both parents and three brothers died. I'd been bullied. I'd been married and divorced. I want to share my heart with you, people who have dealt with heartbreaking loss, and how to move that into heart-freeing love. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday? So I call you up and you call me down. Would it be okay? Well, hello again, and welcome to episode 15 of the Freed Hearts podcast. My name is Robert Cottrell, and I am here with... Susan Cottrell. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. This is, um, this is a really special episode here. Let me, uh, let me say a couple of businessy things first um, so we're not distracted. But we have vibrant resources and extensive, inclusive, belonging community for you if you are a parent if you are part of the LGBTQI plus community, if you are an ally, um, we have all of that for you at, just come say hello at freedhearts.org. Also, if you have questions about something that we talk about, if you if there's something we can do for you, if there are topics and questions you would like us to address here on the Freed Hearts podcast, email us at podcast at freedhearts.org. Org. And just by the way, and we say this at the end, well, it says at the beginning, the music that you hear, our theme song is our daughter. Yes. Our daughter, Hannah, who goes by the name of Saint Sinner. Uh, and if you search on Spotify, it's Saint Sinner, not Saints and Sinners or anything, but Saint Sinner. Actually, just go to heysaintsinner.com and the links will be there. And that is her song, her singing. And she's amazing. And we, I, I want to get on the show. Yes. Sometime. Wouldn't that be awesome? Let's do that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. All of our kids would be great on the show. <laughs> yeah, <well>. Dad. Dad. <laughs> yeah. So, well, this is a, this is a very, very special episode, Susan. And um, I, I, I've looked forward to this. Um, it makes me nervous mm-hmm. in that it's a very tender, um, tender thing to talk about. Um, but it's one of the things about you that I've most admired. Mm. And that's how you've come through life. Because mm. you have a hell of a story. Mm. And it's a story that goes from heart-wrenching, heart-breaking loss to where you are now, which is living and conveying to others heart-freeing love. And I don't know how you did it. Mm. Um, it would have undone most people. Mm. Uh, it did. It did undo some of your own family. Um, but you not only survived, you thrived. Yes. So we want to talk today. Really, this episode is for those of you who have experienced significant loss in your life. And you may feel pain, pain loss and pain. And you may feel stuck or, or destined. Um, for this hard life. It's just the way it is. And you don't know how you're going to get through it because you, I will tell just, I will summarize your growing up a little bit and then you can, you can take it. But, um, and I, I think, you know, me, I, I details are often, so if I mess up the details, but you growing up, you had, you had four brothers and two sisters. Yes. Growing up, you had one brother 
uh, get hit by a car and die when you were very young. Yes. You had another brother uh, get shot in the streets of Houston in a gang type of dispute when yeah. you were growing up. Yeah. You had another brother die of, of a heart attack. Yes. When you were growing up. At age nine, you came home to find out that your mother had died. Yes. From breast cancer. You didn't even know that she was ill. Right. And not that, not, yeah, not that ill. Ill. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then you lost your dad at 23. Yeah. Uh, you also, um, as I was, you've been married before, you're married young. Yes. <laughs> and, um, uh, and that's a whole nother episode. Um, <laughs> or not. Or not. Yeah. No, we're done. Uh, and by the time you were 23, that had fallen apart. Mm hmm. And throughout all of this, the dominant message, you talked in other episodes about being bullied yeah. when you were growing up, uh, being on the from or living on the, quote, wrong side of the tracks mm -hmm. and being bullied. And, and But the dominant message that was conveyed to you by primarily your father, I think, but it also kind of bled over into other, other areas too, was that you just weren't good enough. Yes. You know, so... That's a lot yes. losing, you know, by the time you're 23, you've lost, you've had three brothers die. You lost both your parents. You've been divorced. Uh, a lot of people would have crawled up, you know, and, and just, or made decisions about life. Life is this way. I am this way. This is what life has for me. And that determined, that would then determine so much of what was ahead for you. But that yeah. didn't happen to you. Yeah. So why not? What, what <laughs> happened? Well, um, yeah. So I was I was just little. I think, yeah, and and expand on those elements of your yeah, story if you, you want to. Yeah, you hit that pretty yeah. quick, and it it leaves questions for people. I think, but when um, I was just a a toddler, I think I was three, when my brother, um, it, we were all in the backyard, and my sister was you know asked to go to the store across the busy street to get some something. And my brother, unbeknownst to anybody, um, kind of wriggled out of the fence and followed her and got hit by a car um, crossing the street. How old was he? He was almost five. Almost five. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so um, my sister felt horribly guilty. My other sister, who was watching us in the backyard and didn't see him leave, felt horribly guilty. Those are your, those are your my old, older sisters. Oldest. My... Um, Brother, uh, my mother, and and I presume my father felt terribly guilty, and so you know it had a huge impact on the family, and it was a, it was like a, a pall of death, you know. After somebody dies, there's just it shifts people. Um, and then when I was five, my sister moved out of the house, and she because she turned eighteen which sounds like small compared to those things, but she was my one ally and support and person who delighted in me always. I was her little treasure. And so for her to move out of the daily happenings in our lives was, was traumatic. And then my mother died of breast cancer. And, um, and you were nine years old? I was nine years old. I came out of school... At, she had been in the hospital and I knew that. And I saw her a few times. I don't know. It seemed like, I don't remember very many times seeing her. But nobody had told me she's going to die. It, it, I just didn't know that. 
And uh, in fact, when I was in college, I went to a couple of counseling sessions and the counselor there said, I said, I feel so guilty that I didn't know that I didn't get to say goodbye. And I didn't know she was dying. And he, she said, you were a child. And if people didn't tell you, how would you know? And that relieved a lot of guilt because, you know, there was, there's false guilt. We have a lot of false guilt around us, don't we? So yeah, I came out of, of school and my dad was there in the car to get me. And I was like, oh, and then I saw my sister, the one I moved out and, you know, she was in the car and I was so glad to see her. Um, so it was to me a joyful thing. And I get in the car and, and then dad says, mother died. And I just burst out, no, no. And I buried my face and my sister, you know, uh, it was just, it's a horrifying thing. And yeah. there was nobody to talk to about it either, which is, I think, probably part of the day. But it's also, you know, we do that today too. Just don't talk about things like that. And for children, it was it was a difficult thing not being able to talk about it. Well, you um, mentioned you mentioned before about the guilt that your dad had and your sisters had from losing your brother. Mm-hmm. And so, and then they, of course, had their own pain from right. losing his wife and their and their mother, and and so yeah. But there was, you've mentioned that several times as I've heard you tell this story that that you just you had nobody to nobody to yeah. talk to, yeah, no one. In fact, I think you told something about drawing a picture. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I told this in the TED talk that I was in the kitchen and I I drew a picture of a casket. I mean, I was processing. And my middle sister came down, older than me, but younger than the other one, came down, came through the kitchen with her friend. And I was, I said, how do you spell deceased? And she looked at me and she spelled it and then shrugged her shoulders with her friend and they went out the back door. And I knew in that moment, it was like, I'm going to be dealing with this by myself. I just, there was an instinct that I knew that. Not that my, she was what? 13 at the time, um, 14. So it's not like she had the wherewithal to, yeah. to deal with my trauma. And again, and she had her own stuff She had too. her own yeah. stuff that wasn't being talked about and addressed. But that realization but that you were alone. Yeah. 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 So I'm then, sorry. I mean, no, to, to no, no, don't, don't yeah. be sorry. You great. Um, so just a few years later, my brother got shot in the head in a kind of a gang thing. And he was in the gang thing because he couldn't measure up to our family, you know, thing. And we were not Christians. We were not religious, which to me was a, a huge gift because I didn't then tie that stuff to God. God was actually my ally through those things. Um, God is the one person actually I could talk to. So Pete got shot and that was a big Shock. So how old were you and how old was he? I must just have been, about, yeah. He was 17. I must have been 11. So just two years later. Yeah, just two years later. And also it was the same year that, I think it was the same year I got bullied, which was all of sixth grade, I got bullied. And that's a horrible, horrible thing. And it wasn't even the kind of bullying they do today where they physically, you know, beat you up or anything. That didn't happen. But their words every day, of just contempt, diminishment. Yeah. It was, it really shredded me. Do you have a question or? No, I'm just watching. I'm just looking (laughs) at you. 
So that was I love you too. So that was um, that was the your mom and two of your brothers. Yeah, and then so, um, what, so what happens next? Right. Oh, and then I got married. That's the next sequence of events. Really, all the to college. Oh, oh yes, yeah, that's the, right. That's the right. other deaths were afterward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got married in college and was married three years, and then that fell apart. And it was, um, you know, it was, it was right that it fell apart. It was, and I, you know, it was not going to go the distance, but. But that's a heartache. Even though I knew it was right and I, um, it was a better thing for me, it's still a huge loss and well, trauma. Yeah, and especially when it may have, it may have, you know, added to the general, you know, not good enough, not enough. Life is difficult. Life is tough. Life things fall apart. Can't count on things. Can't depend yeah. on things. That it, it just, regardless of what it was, it, it certainly added to, yes. to that. Yes. Yeah. And then, yes. short, and then shortly after, I'm sorry, did you have more to say on that? Nope. Okay. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and then shortly after that. Yeah, shortly after that, dad um, had lung cancer and he died six months after diagnosis. Wow. And so that was really, um, you know, shocking. You don't expect that. And I, I just, I'd had it. I graduated from college right after he died. It was... You know, it was, I, yeah, that last semester, he was sick. Um, And I'd go see him, but I didn't quit college. I stayed in. And then I said, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. And I moved to New York where my grandparents were to live with them for a while. They live in the country. So I actually didn't, I ended up moving in with my aunt and uncle who were more in the city, who were in the city. But um, for a while there, I was with my grandparents, and it was really nurturing and healing to be there. The fact that you did that always moved me because you it would have been very easy to just say, you know, this is life. Yeah. And this is, again, this is what life has for me. This is the kind of life. But you, I think you knew in there, and we'll talk about this, maybe we'll talk about this, but... But did you know inside that life had something different for you that you that you were not stuck in this kind of I hoped so pain because you took the jump. I mean, you took the jump to move on your own. Yeah. You drove, you, you know, your stuff in the back of a car, and you drove yeah. to New York. I did, you know, New York City, you know, and and took this leap yeah. like that, which that took so much strength. <sighs> Yeah, it did. It did. And it was funny because um, I had posted on the board, you know, at UT uh, for a writer. So I had a writer to go with me to New York. And then at the last minute, the writer bailed out. <laughs> and so I called to tell to tell you, say to my aunt, should I still come? I'm going to be on my own driving all that way. But I didn't reach my aunt. I reached my uncle. He said, oh, yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Which really turned out to be a gift that I reached him instead. I don't know what she would have said, but she she probably would have said the same I thing. Think she, I think she would have said <laughs> the same thing. She's a savvy New Yorker. She is. But my uncle, and she she may be listening too high. <laughs> <laughs> but she uh, but he he said, "Come on." And so I did, and I and I drove up there and I spent some time just 
moving forward. And I, I think that's exactly right. I, ever since I was a little girl, you know, I had a lot of fire in me and I could write with both hands at the same time, like either the same exact thing or the mirror image. Really? Yep. I never knew that about you. (laughs) Yeah. Dang. Yeah. I was ambidextrous and, um, and then it faded off where I just write with my left hand. Now I can't write with my right one anymore, but uh, I just had these quirky things. I loved puzzles. I was fun every morning, you know, the, sun would be up I'd pop out of bed full of joy and ready to start the day which was at complete odds with my family and I learned only recently that my mother saw me as a mini me of her <laughs> and uh-huh. she's and I I learned this story she said yeah I was trying to put a um a hair bow on you and you would not have it and you fought me tooth and nail and you knew who you were. And, you know, um, she really valued that quality in me. I I did not realize that till, till just recently. But anyway, um, so there was this like person that I was that I knew had things in me. And I knew I was smart too. I knew I was good at puzzle solving and figuring things out. I read Harriet the Spy. <laughs> which she's a spy and she, you know, does all these things that are really cool. And I loved it. And I was her and Wrinkle in Time. I read that too. And I was Meg in that book. And so, but all these were juxtaposed against um, a family of trauma, of dad and mother fighting all the time, of abusiveness, you know, and um, against, against mother, not against us kids in that we weren't physically abused. Um, But being told, you know, oh, you're going to fail life. You're stupid. Those rang in my ears for many, many years. And those are devastating things to hear. Devastating. And uh, I know the audience we, we speak to now has heard a lot of horrible, horrible things said to them. And I want to tell you this little story about that because... I always say, you know, it's when somebody says something about you, they're revealing them, not you. They're the ones speaking. And there was one time that I was sitting at the kitchen table with dad and he worked at home. His office was out back and his secretary, we were all in there in the kitchen, just watching this after school special for a little bit. I don't know how that happened, but the girl was really clever and she, you know, won the contest and it was like me and my, my dad's secretary, Pat, who is a family friend said, uh, oh, that reminds me of Susan. That girl reminds me of Susan, my dad said, except that girl is pretty. <laughs> right. And he looked Aww. over at me and Pat, to her credit, said, oh, that's not true at all. Susan's very pretty, which I don't care. It's not about being pretty. That wasn't, that is totally irrelevant it was the fact that he could say that was like why would you say that I looked at him and he looked at me almost apologetically like something in him said that was mean (laughs) I it's a good thing for him to recognize that was mean and I and in that moment something deep inside me said 
This is all about him, nothing about me. That you could say that to your daughter, it reveals him, not me. And that's something I've carried with me my entire life since then. Yeah. I think I think that's a great, a great tool, a takeaway for people who are who are listening, one thing that they can do in response to the stuff that they're going through. Because you 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 had yeah. you had another brother who oh, did you talk about not the, yet. Oh no, no, I was talking about mad after that about his okay oh Um, oh. about well he he had your your fourth brother who survived your childhood yes um he was told some of the same things like that by your dad he did not have that same he internalized all of that and what what happened yeah he ended up leaving home at i mean at 18 there was no home left there was dead Died. I'm getting a little bit ahead of, of this, but Matt. You can wait was, on that. I decided fit to where. Well, let me to, just say two different ways of creative, receiving. Creative. He was intelligent. He was gentle, spirited, kind-hearted. He was an amazing person. Matt was, and you know, I was nine. He was five when mother died, and so here he is left <laughs> without anything. And and lost, the, lost all three brothers. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes, and and. When, so when dad, who would, should have been his one ally, would say things like, you're going to fail life, Matt had nothing, no one to help. And so, and I, I think back, I wish I had been then who I am now, that I could have helped him, but mm. I couldn't. I was, I was a child too. And so Matt ended up doing drugs and getting messed up in a lot of ways that way. And, you know, lost use of, of his deepest abilities that he had. He was still, he could survive, but he wasn't who he would have been. Yeah. And he died of a heart attack in his 50s. So it's. Yeah. And, and I, I brought, and I just wanted to, mm-hmm. I want to say that your, your response in that moment to say, I reject that, that yes. what you're saying to me, the message that you're giving me is not about me. Yes. It's about you was was uh, one of the huge things in your life that set you on this path to get from this loss. Yes. To to um to love. Yeah. And I think for those for many people who are listening out there the things that have been said to you or or or, or done to you like you said reveal the other person. It's not you. Yes. That's right. And that's just the point I wanted to make in that. So good. Can, no, can and go I'll, I'll have more to say about that. But let me go yeah, through the please, story. Please. And no, it's all good. Um, but I'll, I will say more about that. So I, I moved to New York. Um, I'm, I'm making my way. I'm, you know, finding jobs, waiting tables and everything. I went, I took some acting classes. I was going to be an actress. <laughs> um, and you were in a movie. Oh, I was in a movie. I was, was Michael Moriarty. Is that who was the? Yes. What was the movie yes. called? I forget. Uh, it's called oh, um, man. The, the Thing. The Thing. <laughs> you weren't the Thing. I was not the Thing. Okay, I that's was, good. I was standing in an airport with a clipboard, checking somebody in. Yeah, so find it's it like out a, there. A two second clip or something. <laughs> Five second clip. I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, that's all right. It's not worth watching the movie for it. Um, and then we get a. I get a call from my sister, the middle sister, that my. Oldest brother, Paul, had had the heart attack and died. And he was, 
um, a blue baby from birth. He was crippled on the on the right side, and so he and he had some brain damage. Mother had slipped with him on the floor, a, a newly waxed floor, and hit his head, and so she had all the guilt from that. Um, and it, it was just it was one thing after another. I've I've referred to our family as having a death culture. It was a death mm. culture. Um, so, uh, and Paul was actually a, a beam of light in our family. He was joyful and, and s- sort of a savant. He could tell us all the state capitals of all the states. He could list all the states in alphabetical order, you know, um, things like that. He could, he, he could do functional, you know, like a fifth grade intelligence, I think is what they said. You always said he was so joyful. Joy- joyful. Yeah, yeah. And that's interesting that he, that he was unable to process um some of the hurtful messages kind of and he just ended up i i maybe could process them but he he (laughs) no he heard them and they got to him he saw the the death culture in the family too okay all right but um he couldn't be what dad wanted from his boys and in a way i don't know if that allowed him to escape the the constant, constant pressure that especially the boys got. Um, I don't know. But anyway, oh, so that's Paul. Um, and it was just Uh-oh. like, you know, like comedy of errors. That's not really the phrase, but it was like, what's going to happen next? So you're 20. So this is a 23. Yeah, so You've lost three brothers. Yeah, by 24, I had lost three brothers and both parents. And it was it was really, and and I just said, to hell with God. <laughs> I had come to know God personally outside of any religion as a child. And God was there always through me in in my, you know, with me. Um, but at this point I said, I don't have any use for you. I can't do God right now. I've got to find my own way. And I kept pressing into things for growth. I kept choosing growth. I kept choosing um, healing, and I think that's what saved me. And I, I recently talked to somebody. I, somebody did a little prophetic reading for me, like an energy work healing thing. And he said, with your background, which I hadn't even told him my background, but he said the, the life that you came from, you could easily have chosen drugs, sex, alcohol, all of those things as coping mechanisms to deal with the trauma. But you always chose love. And I really did. I chose love and um, self-care, self-growth. And I, I had a bazillion issues to work through. I'm not it's not like, yeah, not, and I was all happy. And that's not what I'm saying. Right. But I'm saying I pressed into growth. I knew that any of those other options weren't going to heal me. Well, I think all of the possibilities of life were still available to you. I mean, yeah. you, you believe that. Yeah. You believe that maybe there was something more than this. Yeah. You knew that a lot of what had happened to you was not about you. Right. And you were, you you just kept pressing forward. You talked about that you said at that time to hell with God, but it's interesting because and you don't need to, to talk details, but th- but that was the time really when your spirituality opened up. 
and you and you started to go deep with deep life questions and and about yourself and about about humanity and and all of this with the work that you did up in New York and and all of that you and so you 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 embrace that you would press yeah. into those things yeah I, and I you don't still even think do it started then I think you, I I that's been there for me for a very very long time I I have. Always, I feel like I always thought there's got to be more than this death culture, and I think that I wasn't the one who who executed the carrying out whatever happens after somebody dies and all the stuff you have to do. My sister did all that, yeah. And I, because I was, um, I wasn't yeah. the one to do that, yeah. and I I chose growth. Well, you you've always been willing to press into this situation when when yeah. when Annie came out. Yeah. Your response was to to not deny, not reject, not run, but yeah. to lean into it, to yes. to to press into something that was difficult and you were not afraid of questions, you were not afraid of a situation and I think that's been uh, a, a constant, a, a constant, and yeah. and you know throughout your entire life is your willingness to yeah. to press into things. Yeah. Which again, if you if you physically think about pressing into, you lean forward. Yeah. Which keeps you moving forward. Yes. Yes. And your whole life, in the midst of all this, with no guarantees, tons of questions, you continue to press forward and, and love yourself. Yeah, I mean, and don't don't get me wrong. <laughs> Um, I think of Glennon Doyle's book where she talks about her alcoholism and all her response to her pain. And it's, you know, it's gut-wrenching um, how she she says she turns herself inside out in the story. And I, I don't want to sound like I didn't have a yes. lot of issues yeah. and a lot of stuff to deal with. And as I was saying those things that I didn't do, well, sex, I did I did that as a way of of feeling loved and, you know, which I didn't feel loved, but it was, I thought it might make me feel that yeah. way. So it wasn't in any way um, a rose garden, not that you're saying no. it is at all. No, and there were issues that we that we had, that we dealt with as a married couple yeah. and and, yeah. and issues that 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 we dealt with <laughs> as parents. We've then we still deal with yeah. and that probably have some roots and all of that stuff, yeah. you know, and and so, yeah, absolutely. It's not. Oh, it's not been all rosy and, and yeah. all that. And early, not that you were saying it was, but I just want to make that clear. Yeah. And early on, somewhere in the marriage, when the kids were young, and you were doing something, and I said, I lashed back in in self defense, and you said, "I'm not your father. <laughs> I'm not your sister. This is me, you know, who loves you." And and it's true. There was certainly stuff, and I I went through counseling because you have to get to that stuff. But you're right. I I pressed into it because I think I intuitively knew that denial only means postponement. You know. But a lot of people, you know, and that's and we on this journey of being parents of an LGBTQ child, we see a lot of parents who who will deny things. They will not ask the questions. They will not open their boxes, and they're stuck. And there's and and we see and sense in them the pain that 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 happens to their children because of this, and yeah. and they're and they just feel stuck. 
I mean, yeah, I would, and it's all fear. It's all yeah, fear. Yeah, and I again, it's not. It's not. Oh, Susan's Wonder Woman. I think you are, but but um, but so I want to. We need to. Our timing needs to wrap this up a little bit here. So I want to. Again, it's it's not been all rosy. It's not. Well, if you just do this, everything will be fine. Because again, it's there have been things that you've worked through last year and the year before and the end of the year. Yeah. But we 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 talked um, uh, a couple episodes ago about your your cancer journey and right. all of that and and that same willingness to 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 press into to not be oh my god this look what life has done to me yeah i will make decisions now based on that you you yeah. always pressed into things and that doesn't mean always perfect doesn't mean done learning good lord we're learning all not the time. even always great i mean there were there were there was a lot of self doubt even after 6th grade going into junior high I was already defeated in in a lot of ways. I thought, well, the the girls that are really, you know, popular aren't going to like me. It was just a yeah. this crappy thing. But so there's there's stuff to work through. But yeah, I I did press into it and I did choose life and that and that's always a choice. If you're breathing, there's a choice to choose life. You know, to choose to choose love for yourself. You can choose to love yourself and whatever voices are to the contrary that have been fed into you, you'll need to deal with those. And and as I as we've said, I know those voices from my dad, from the sixth graders, and and you have to deal with that. But the very, very first thing is don't bully yourself to choose to love yourself and work out whatever you need to to get to the the point where those other voices quiet down for you. But it takes time. It it takes time. time. It takes courage. Anybody on this journey, it takes courage to believe in another day, another opportunity to believe in you. But if you don't, who will? Well, there are a lot of voices out there that convey a different, an unloving message, non-accepting message. And, And I think you have to, I think we all have to start with, at least adding, adding that loving yourself and accepting yourself voice to the mix. Yeah. <laughs> and then it becomes, hopefully, over time, it becomes consistent. Yeah. And increases in its volume. Yeah. And then it becomes dominant. Yeah. And then the other voices are just not, not they lose their power. Yeah. So we have, is there anything that you can, that we can close with as, as we talk about from heartbreaking loss to heart-freeing love. Yeah, wrap us up Yeah, here. that whoever you are, wherever you are, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what stupid things you've done, as you may see it, and the stupid things I did. None of that matters because everything you've done has been, you know, that you're not proud of has been because you were hurting and you were afraid and you were trying to to find a way forward. So don't, shame yourself for wherever you are in the journey because wherever you are is is on the way to wholeness and fullness and just keep moving into that and have faith in who you are because you're here for a reason you're here to fill a place on this planet that only you can fill so 
please feel her arms around you, hugging you and saying, you're worthy, you matter, you belong, love yourself. We love you and we invite you to love yourself and contact me if you want to. I'd love to hear from you. We love you. Thanks for listening so much. Yes. Um, And we will talk to you. Susan, thanks for sharing all that. You're welcome. My pleasure. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday so I call you up and you call me down? Would it be okay? You've been listening to the Freed Hearts Podcast. We have extensive resources and vibrant community for you at www.freedhearts.org. Just come say hello. And if you have questions or issues or comments about the podcast, things you'd like us to talk about, reach out to us at podcast at freedhearts.org. The music is provided by Hannah Cottrell, our daughter, the Grammy-nominated Saint Sinner. And you can find out more about her at heystsinner.org. Please share this, subscribe, and follow on your favorite platform. And thanks for listening.